Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Connecticut, I'm Erica Tusi. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Bear Podcast. Guys, uh, I'm not feeling as caffeinated uh, today as I was last week. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like it's, we're, we're going into Memorial Day weekend, uh, but it's like the weirdest Memorial Day weekend ever. Oh my God. I know. Well, we, we had a conversation earlier this week where we were discussing, you know, should we hold the podcast as you'll be hearing this on uh, earliest of Tuesday. And I think, Adam, your response was like, oh, wait, that's next weekend or next week, which is exactly how all of us feel. I think like, what does it even mean to have a holiday when like, you know, most people's life is going to be kind of the same? I don't know. I, I, it will be for me. Maybe just you're going to sleep in more. I don't know. You're going to. Uh, <laughs> not me. What is there to do? Well, yeah. maybe you could go to the beach, actually. Not in, in New York. Some, in Connecticut, finally, the, the beach is at least open. So we can walk on the beach. We can't do much more than that. We can drink on the beach. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drink on the yeah. beach. I'm taking my rosé down there and I am going to sit on that beach and I'm going to have some nice drinks. And you know what? Damn it. I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> It is pretty we crazy. We this far. Because we can't, yeah. Do you have a favorite beach food, Erica? Uh, I love rosé and fried chicken. <laughs> On the beach? That's, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, Erica, I definitely you are will so bougie. Basket. Oh, my God. I'm talking KFC. <laughs> I'm talking whatever type of fried chicken I can get my hands on. <laughs> do you like it? So you do like the cold fried chicken then? Like you like oh, yeah. You get it? Always cold, for sure. That yeah. actually is a pretty good idea. Yeah, I it's good. That. I love it. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Uh, I think my favorite beach food, I, I like to me, the thing I immediately thought of was like a just really bad hot dog. <laughs> it's like basically, basically the only places I will ever eat a hot dog are the beach, a baseball game. And yeah, that's, I think those are the only two. So yeah. So uh, I, I think of like, yeah, a bad hot dog or maybe something else grilled, but, but somehow I just envision, uh, I think it's from trips out to Coney Island when I was in college and, uh, and just, you know, whatever garbage hot dog they sold. Can I give two? <laughs> sure. Cause you know, it's sure. so I think I don't like the idea of eating this on the beach, but I like eating the idea of eating it like near the water and that's a lobster roll. Yeah. But like I definitely don't like the idea of it on the beach. I feel like Erica's got the best idea because you can like shake off the chicken if you get the sand in it. <laughs> and then I also have liked on the beach, I, I do like like a, a hot dog or a burger. I think there's like a a thing to you know, it's it's, it's I think the hot dog's a really good call because like it's again just like the lobster rolls in that one roll, one handed, like let's go. Um, you know, delicious. And also I like any opportunity I can get to eat meat outside of my home I will take because my wife is a vegetarian and she's been one <laughs> oh, since yeah. she's four. She 100% is all behind that Jonathan Safran for article opinion article that ran yesterday in the times that said we should all stop eating meat. She's like, but I mean, she doesn't make me stop eating it, but she's like not really into the whole game. So uh, yeah, if we're out of the house and someone's making a burger, I'll, I will 100% order it. Mm. Sounds pretty good. I'm, I, but I'm, I'm with you that one of the keys to beach eating, as most outdoor eating, is you need to be able to keep one hand free. Oh, from yes, eating. yes. Also, you know, you have to watch out for the seagulls because uh, <laughs> it was it was two yeah. years ago we were in Cape May visiting friends, and my wife was eating her sandwich, cheese sandwich, and a seagull swooped down and took it out of her hand. <laughs> No way. Yes. Wow. It took it out of her hand. I was like, That's wow, aggressive. that is an aggressive bird. This is why no one likes these <laughs> birds. These are the worst birds. Um, but so, yeah. But that brings us up to our, our topic for today, which is, uh, you know, 
I've, we've all been convinced over the last few episodes that one of the biggest trends this summer is going to be frozen drinks. So we figured there was no better time to talk about all things frozen than right now, post Memorial Day weekend, you know, whether that's in a blender, in a slushy machine, et cetera. So I, the first thing I'm curious about is from both of you, do you think Frosé will be big again this year? Have you had Frosé? And what do you think of Frosé? I do. I think it'll be big, but I think I think people will go far beyond Frosé this year with uh, all sorts of different, fla- different flavor combinations. So Frosé is fun, but I feel like it's much more of a thing that you will get at uh, a bar or a restaurant. Um, it's kind of a pain in the ass to make. I mean, it's it's different than other types of blended drinks because with most other blended drinks, you're you're freezing a bunch of fruit and then throwing it into the blender with some simple syrup and um, and uh, you know a, a little bit of you know booze or uh, wine or whatever it is. But with Frosé, you actually have to freeze an entire bottle of wine that, you know, you're, you put it in a bowl and it's become this kind of like slushy, soupy mess. And, um, and then you can, you know, make the, make the cocktail with, um, uh, some simple syrup that's maybe infused with strawberries as a lot of recipes do. But I feel like it's more of a pain in the ass to make frosé than it is to make a typical, um, you know, other types of uh, frozen drinks. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not into making it at home. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to go further. And I, I don't think frosé is going to happen <laughs> this year for, for the reason that Erica, well, for the reason that Erica explained, which is it's the kind of thing that is way better when someone else does it for you. And also because, like, I don't know about the two of you, I don't have any freezer space right now. Like, my freezer is full of all the frozen food I bought to hoard, uh, and and I'm very, very slowly working through it. And the thought of, you know, committing an entire shelf in my freezer to a bowl of frozen rosé just makes zero sense to me. Like, it's just not going to happen in my house. And I think, you know, maybe if you're the kind of person who has a deep chest freezer and has lots of space to play with, you can do that. But But most of us, I think, yeah, want something... That I mean, Erica's talking about freezing fruit and and doing all that shit. I'm not even not sure I'm willing to do that. I'm going to just put ice cubes, fruit, and booze in a blender, and you know, hit a button and come back. You know, 30 seconds later, I'm not I, I, like to me this summer and blended drinks. It, it, there's going to be a high end for it for sure, and, and places that can open. I think there's going to be a demand for it. But at home, I think you're just going to see a lot of people being like, "What is the the quickest and simplest way I can get to this?" Because in the end, like that, I think that's all most of us have bandwidth for right now. I mean, I'm going to go even further than you, Zach, which is a real oh, damn. And I'm going to say, <laughs> Frosé is fucking gross. Really? I cannot. I do not like Frosé. It is like my. I, if you if I'm gonna have a frozen cocktail, I want a frozen cocktail with liquor. Like I, something happens to the rosé when it freezes; it becomes really harsh, and so therefore the only way to fix that and to balance the fact that it's become harsh and the wines become damaged is to add a ton of sugar and a lot of other flavorings. And then it's just like, well, why didn't I just make a strawberry esque, you know, a strawberry lemon frozen drink and add vodka? Right, yeah, like why was yeah. now the fro? Why was rose? You know, if if we're just looking for something that's pink in a glass, like why was it the wine? I just I don't think it's a great drink. I know that people have liked it. I know it's fun to pour in a slushy machine and get served to you from you know a lot of the the restaurants we all miss. But it's never been the drink that I wanted to make. And I will I will echo you, Erica. Then when I have tried to make it, it's such a pain in the ass mm-hmm. that I just it's not the drink for me. 
I mean, but then again, as we all know from previous episodes, I haven't made a lot of frozen drinks in general because I haven't really owned a blender. Um, so it's been a little bit harder. But if I tried to make it. We need an update. Has uh, the Vitamix arrived? The Vitamix has not arrived yet, but hopefully it's uh, on its way soon. I'm, I'm pretty excited about gotcha. it. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. And then I'll let you guys know. I'll take some pictures and we'll talk about frozen drinks. But I think, yeah, I, I do think that frozen drinks will be the like the main thing this summer. I mean, I think a lot of people will will be making them for sure. So like Erica, you wrote a book on cocktails. Like what frozen drinks should people be making? Yeah. I mean, I think when you, when you think about the uh, frozen drinks, I think one of the most fun parts of it is the nostalgia factor. So that was one of the things that I explored in the book. And I really um, was talking about, you know, all sorts of different cocktails, but a couple of them ended up being um, frozen. And so when you we're thinking about the history of frozen drinks, like it's, you know, in the 1950s, we have the rise of the household blender, then that gives way to the frozen daiquiri machine, and later the frozen margarita machine. So when you think about it, these inventions really changed the way we drink. And it moved us into this period where we had like the precursor of Orange Julius going into Jamba Juice. And like these frozen drinks actually became food food categories that people like have for lunch. Um, but I think, you know, that's part of it. And then another piece of it is that it's tied to warm weather, fun destinations like New Orleans and Key West. And, you know, so I think there's that celebratory fun thing happening there. And then there's also the nostalgia factor of like snow cones and shaved ice from Hawaii and the Philippines and other countries in Southeast Asia. So there's, you know, when you think about the entire category and the history of it, there's a lot going on. And one of my favorite frozen drinks is the Hemingway daiquiri. So in the 1930s and 40s, Ernest Hemingway frequented a bar in Havana called El Floridita, and he famously disdained sugar in his cocktails. So instead of the rum, lime, and sugar that you would have for a typical daiquiri, he asked bartenders there to swap in instead of sugar maraschino liqueur and grapefruit juice. And so this has a, a slight a slight pink tinge to it, but a, a really tart and strong drink that was blended or served over very uh, finely chipped ice. So um, he is in you know history known to have worked his way through a dozen of these. They called him, he called them lime slurpy type things, uh, sometimes ordering doubles. So they were called Papa Doble's um, down at the El Floridita bar. So sometimes people refer to them as Papa Doble's. Some people call them El Floridita cocktails. Other people call them Hemingway daiquiris. But um, that's one of my favorite drinks to um, have blended. Another one would be the Pina Colada. So another classic. Um, and this one, I loved telling this story in the book because uh, I, I go down to Puerto Rico. My, um, my parents-in-law, they have a place in Puerto Rico, and this is where I spend all my Christmases. And so it's, it's really the story of Puerto Rico becoming a destination. Um, and so the, in 1949, the Caribe Hilton opened up in Puerto Rico. Before that, it was not known as a, Puerto Rico wasn't known as a destination for um, sort of Hollywood types or anything like that. So 
this new hotel transformed the island into a jet set playground and ushered in all of the development that followed. Um, so in 1954, there was a bartender at the Beachcomber Bar at the Caribe Hilton, and he was given this assignment to create a cocktail that captured the flavors of Puerto Rico in a glass. And so he toiled away and tried a lot of different stuff. And there was this new product that had been developed on the island called Coco Lopez, which was this coconut cream that we know you find it in the grocery store in these like really ugly cans, <laughs> but it's, it's great stuff. So he used that into creating this cocktail, which had light rum, pressed pineapple juice and the Coco Lopez. And that created what we now know as the Pina Colada, which is this creamy cloud of deliciousness. It's cool, it's strong, it's not too sweet. And even in the 50s, um, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, John Wayne, all of these celebrities would be down at the Caribe Hilton drinking this cocktail. And then it became the official drink of Puerto Rico in, in 1978. So those are my two favorite historic uh, cocktails uh, that you can make in a blender. Man, now all I want is a pina colada. Yeah, I was just thinking the same <laughs> damn thing. Like you described that so well that I was just like, oh, this – I haven't had one of those in – I don't think I've had a pina colada since college. Oh, so my great pina colada story was having was, – was achieving a life goal, which was drinking – a pina colada out of a coconut shell on a white sand beach, which I got to do in uh, in, in Colombia a few years ago at my friend's wedding. Tell me it was on your honeymoon. Uh, I, was, on the was, I, was, I was there for my friend's wedding. So, so close to my honeymoon. Yeah. That is amazing. It was really cool. It was like, I was like, this is exactly, it was, it was unlike most of the things in my life that I've aspired to do and then have done. It was actually exactly the way I had envisioned it. Nice. Uh, so it was really pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I even managed to avoid a sunburn, which I was not sure if I would. <laughs> that is really, really funny. Um, you know, I, in terms of like what I like to do with frozen drinks, I, for me, it's always still margaritas. But I'm not the, you know, I feel like the reason I like the frozen margarita is I feel like it's a a consumption controller, if that makes sense. Like you don't drink them as fast. You, you know, like, so you're more slow with your pace. I feel like for whatever reason, there's probably a little bit less booze than, than there is on like the classic margarita you're shaking. Um, and so I find them to be really the easiest thing to whip up a picture of and put out and slowly drink through the first picture with a few friends and then make another picture of and sort of almost sessionally drink your margs as opposed to like, mm -hmm. yo, I'm going to shake up a huge pitcher of margs. We're all going to finish it really quickly because it's basically, you know, adult Gatorade. And then we're going to move and have another one of them. It just like that for me is, is a pretty delicious drink. Yeah. Well, it's also like the advantage of the, of the blended margarita is that you're incorporating a lot more water into what you're drinking. So you're, you're, you're not just, you're not just, you're getting the same amount of alcohol, but you're getting it plus a lot more water. So you're just not hurting yourself in the same way. That's, that's been one of the reasons I've always liked blended drinks. Erica, I have a question for you though, because I'm curious mm -hmm. if this is something that, that you've seen Adam too, I guess, uh, if you've seen it as well. But one thing that I'm, I'm curious to see if it comes out this, this summer is a little bit what you were talking to, uh, talking about with the sort of nostalgia for snow cones and shave ice and stuff like that is, you know, the, the drinks that are more like, uh, mixed over or poured over crushed ice as opposed to being properly blended because I've been playing around with that at home a little bit. And, and I kind of like, you know, 
personally, I kind of like the consistency of still small pieces of ice in my drink with certain cocktails. Like that's kind of how I've been doing like my own little like frozen Negroni kind of as opposed to blending the shit out of it. And I think kind of like I haven't like I think if you have a a true sort of slushy machine or something that churns slowly, you can make good versions of those cocktails. But I haven't had a lot of luck blending them. I feel like it gets too frothy and I don't like mm-hmm. that. So I've been I've been sort of like chipping or, or uh, you know, like sort of uh, slow, like very getting very crushed ice and then pouring my Negroni over it. And, and I've been kind of liking that, but I don't know if that's just me. That's interesting. I, I just, I hate that texture. It drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, there you go. Erica hates your idea. So, uh, good, good thing I, you do it. Like, I think it's a great idea, though, from from the perspective of watering down that drink and making it more sessionable. I think that's a good idea. I just, I don't know, that like small pebbly, like like you have it in tulip, that, that just drives me nuts because I feel like I just am trying to just sip the liquid so I don't have to imbibe any of the small ice chips. I think they just hurt my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, use a straw. I mean, let's be clear. I think you might have seen it more, Zach, like if we weren't in shutdown mode. Um, maybe you'd see like some bars that were moving to do some of these like, you know, almost snow coney cocktails. I mean, but yeah. like, I mean, in the same way that you you saw people doing like, you know, boozy ice cream. Um, but I think, you know, this summer, like my prediction is, you're going to see more people sort of taking advantage of the ability to do delivery to set up sort of mobile slushy machines and stuff like that. So we already saw that happen this week in Los Angeles. Um, so there's a uh, a basically a, a wine store, bar, etc. in LA. Uh, their name is Sarah's Market. Um, and they basically are using the fact that delivery is allowed to start a mobile to start a mobile liquor store. So they're going around the city and you can buy from them on your phone and they're delivering to you because you happen to be waiting in line and they can deliver to you. And I think you're going to see a lot of other smart bars and restaurants figure this out and say, huh, so how do we maybe take a, you know, an ice cream truck and retrofit it this summer and drive out to the closest park and say that, you know, such and such bar from the East Village is doing slushy delivery in Tompkins Square Park. I think you're going to see a lot of people liberally interpret the laws until, you know, people are told not to. And I I think we'll, one of the things that is most perfect for that kind of interpretation is the selling of frozen drinks, right? Because it's like, it's, it's a fun happening. I don't know if you'll see a lot of people waiting in line for someone who's just like, pouring out old fashions outside of prospect park or central park or whatever. Sorry, Zach, I, I named drop one of the Seattle parks, but I, I just don't know any of them. <laughs> That's okay. But you know, yes works. You <laughs> good. Yes, exactly. Or Piedmont park. Volunteer park. Or, you know, we could go on. Um, but you know, I think that there's, there's something fun about this idea of like, it's an adult ice cream truck and that what you're getting is something cold and refreshing with a little bit of alcohol in it that, you know, just sort of takes the edge off, uh, especially for someone like you, Zach, who has kids and probably could use that like, <laughs> edge taken off. While Eric too. Yeah, Eric too, true. Um, but I think that that's like a, something we, we probably will see a lot more of this summer for sure. Well, and I want to say like that was uh, at least 50% of the appeal to me of having a uh, pina colada in a coconut shell on a beach is like that idea of, of of having a drink in a space that, you know, in the U S is not usually a permitted drinking space. And, uh, and, and so I agree with you. I think that you're going to see a ton of people really appreciating and getting excited about that ability to have, um, have a drink in public. We've talked about that before on the podcast. And when you combine that with most of our childhood nostalgia for essentially the ice cream truck, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's going to be huge 
as long as people can make it work legally and in some parts of the country that may be a bigger challenge than others. But I think you're starting to see, um, you know, most uh, municipalities move to allowing some some degree of mobile uh, uh, cocktail delivery or sales. You know, it's again, it's this question of as summer progresses, are are they going to see more crackdowns on drinking in public? I, I mean, that's a that's another topic uh, which we've talked about. But but I think if it's if it's doable, yes, it's going to be huge because it's also the exact right kind of flavor set, right? It's a little sweet. It's definitely you know often fruity and fun. And yeah, the the mobile old fashioned cart. I mean, good luck if that right. works for you. But, right. No but... one no one wants those. But yeah, if, you, if, you, if you've got like that frozen you know drinks cart, that's all. And so I think one of the people the other things you might see too happening is um so. Uh, earlier in the fall, we we had Kelvin Slush Co. come by the office, um, and they're like a, a producer of like adult slushies, um, all with organic, um, sustainable ingredients, like really high quality mixes. Um, and so they mostly have supplied restaurants, but I'm I'm sure they'll they're pushing probably to supply consumers right now too. And you can take their mixes and like make a frozen Aperol spritz. You can make because they have like a citrus mix that would would stand in, I guess, for what you would normally use the orange slice for or whatever. And then you would just add, you know, Aperol and sparkling wine and blend it all up. Um, and so I think you're going to see more of that as well, like frozen Moscow mules, frozen mojitos, all that kind of stuff that, that you could do at home with mixes like this. And as we've seen with everything else that's been happening, a lot of these businesses that have had mostly been supplying restaurants have been pivoting to also now supply consumers, whether that's like, uh, you know, the meat purveyor that's now selling their steaks. Or like you said, Zach, what was a few episodes ago that you were getting oysters now from someone who normally would sell to restaurants. And so I think you'll see some of these companies that were supplying to bars and supplying these classic sort of really high quality mixes to bars now figuring out ways to sell to consumers. Um, and I was all just, just before we did the, the, um, podcast, I went on Kelvin's, um, you know, website, like just Kelvin slush co. And now they have a link to Amazon. So clearly right there, they're figuring, they're figuring out ways to sell this to consumers. You're still going to get the big industrial jug of the mix, but at least now you can use that mix probably with instructions now on their site for how to use it in a blender as opposed to a slushy machine and make really awesome, you know, drinks at home. And I think it's going to be a central part of like socializing, right? You talked about the picture of margaritas. Like, I think, I don't know, Erica, like, I'm curious if you, if you have suggestions, cause I was thinking about, you know, beyond a pina colada, Hemingway daiquiri, which are both delicious. Like what are some other kind of like, uh, cocktails that you think kind of would be relatively easy to, to sort of either that are already blended cocktails or that could translate into that, uh, space? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've played around with um, frozen drinks before, and I was just looking through some of my notes um, from a couple of years ago. And so one one idea that I had had before was to create sort of a template. So what's the template that you can use to create a really good sort of fail safe, um, boozy slushy? And uh, my template was one cup frozen fruit, one quarter cup ice, uh, two ounces of booze, three tablespoons of simple syrup, and then two two or three teaspoons of either lemon or lime juice. So if you take that as a general template, you can do so many different things like blackberries, lime, and rum as one, honeydew, lime, and vodka as one, 
peach, lemon, and bourbon as one, watermelon, lime, and tequila as one. So I think like the template idea and just, you know, using whatever you have, all you need is the booze, the kind of fruit that you think will go in it, always some sort of lime or lemon juice to really bring out the flavor. And then the simple syrup is absolutely essential. So when I had been playing around with this before, um, I really found that the simple syrup is what makes the texture work. So these drinks can tend to like get really ugly in the glass. <laughs> so they can tend to separate. And then you have all of this like foamy stuff at the top and, and the ice. And then it's just like liquid down at the bottom. But what sugar can do, um, what simple syrup can do is uh, help um uh, unify the texture of the drink. So, you know, and I think, and I think, um, because you're drinking a frozen drink, you can also increase the amounts of sugar a little bit than you would for just, you know, a shaker drink or what have you, because when things are colder, your perception of sweetness is dialed down a little. So even if you're using a little bit more simple syrup to preserve the texture of the drink, it's not going to taste too sweet. So, and you also do need a little bit more sugar because of the dilution factor. So, you know, so my recommendation is even if you need, you know, if you are, don't like sugar in your drinks. And believe me, I do not like sweet drinks at all. I would find myself adding a little bit more simple syrup than usual and not finding um, the resulting drink to be too, too sweet. That's really interesting, Erica. Now that I feel like I also have like my frozen cocktail expert on speed dial, I have, <laughs> I have another question for you, which is one of the things that I always wonder is like how much ice to add, right? So like, uh, yeah, so that it's not... <sighs> I don't, know how, I don't know how I'm trying to describe it. Either it's like so liquidy because I didn't add enough or it's like so much ice that it's like basically Zach's weird drink he would try to get us all into where <laughs> you're just pouring, you know, you're, pour, you're pouring a cocktail over shaved ice. Like how do you know how much to add? Yeah. So I found that um, when I was doing only frozen fruit, so like frozen berries, frozen melon and no ice, it was too thick. It was like really um, like it basically a smoothie that you're going to, you know, have for breakfast or something. But if you put so I'd say it's like one to uh, one to Well, so I'd say like one cup of um, fruit and one quarter cup of ice. So like kind of, you know, play with that ratio a little bit. If you want a little bit of a thinner drink, add a little more ice. If you want a thicker drink, like remove the ice. So I think that's that's around the area that I would play um, to get something that's like drinkable that you can either sip or drink through a straw, but it's not too, too thick. So you would always, so would you always add frozen fruit to a, a, a frozen drink? Like, is that sort of like your thing you feel like you kind of have to do to get the consistency? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So like, so then going back to the El Floridita, like what gets frozen there? So obviously you, you said it's, it's rum, maraschino normally and lime juice, right? So what are yeah. you putting in to make that work? So, so in, in a drink like that, that doesn't have a, a base fruit really um you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that so like for a frozen mojito you can't do that because you know it's just like rum lime and mint um or for like gin campari and grapefruit juice like you wouldn't really be able to do that but for something where you actually have some some actual fruit like peaches or a honeydew melon or cantaloupe or berries um or even you know watermelon um something like that that you can freeze the fruit that will help um maintain the texture of the drink 
you also can if you're like one of those people like me who still has ice cube trays lying around even though your fridge has an ice maker you actually can freeze your lime juice or your grapefruit juice and use that oh, as a as an ingredient um and it works pretty well too yeah that's a great idea Cool, guys. This has been really interesting. Well, I can't wait to whip up some frozen drinks. Hopefully, by sometime this weekend, my Vitamix will arrive. I will make some frozen drinks. I will send a picture to you guys, and we'll talk about how delicious they were, and then I'm going to get crazy this summer. Nice. You got to tag us. I'm excited. I know. I will. We have to come up with the official uh, frozen drink of the podcast. We'll have to oh, work on Oh, my that. God. We totally have to do that. We do. I feel like I should have gin, Campari, grapefruit, like something like that. I'm just feeling like that. That <laughs> a combination of flavors is really speaking to me right now. I could get down with that. I get down with that. We could we could work on that. Well, uh, nothing black, not Blackberry, Erica. I feel like you're all on no, Team Blackberry. I am Blackberry, but you know, um, I don't know. I always go back to the things I really love, which tend to include Campari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Fair enough. Well, guys, this has been amazing as always. Um, for all those out there listening, if you have a favorite frozen drink or a frozen drink we should try, uh, hit us up at podcast.vinepair.com and let us know. Um, and we'll see everyone right here again next week. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.